His word says, but you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, a peculiar people. Come on. <laughs> that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. That you may declare the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into the light. Yes. That we may declare the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into the light. We declare the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into the light. We declare the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into the light. We call the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into the light. We thank you, Jesus. We are your peculiar people. From the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like sometimes any of this matters. But we're catching a hold of what's happening in heaven right now. And we're unashamedly loving you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done in us, how you've brought us together out of every place that we've been this week and every place we're gonna go next week. Yes, Jesus. This little space of time of gathering as your followers, as your apprentices, as your disciples, as image bearers, simply your kids. We embrace you together, God. We love you. We thank you that we're pushing back the forces of shame that wants to tell us who we are and we're receiving the light that's telling us who we are from you, Jesus. That stuff needs to come into the light, it's coming into the light right here. Shame doesn't get to tell us what we'll do or what we'll be. And we love you, Jesus. We say amen together amen. because we're together. Let's go. Thank you, team. Thank you, guys. Yeah, family, all of us worship leaders, all of us leading our hearts together. I'm in the bad spot, aren't I? Okay, let me move. Let me. Whew, well, good morning. Don't wanna make this abrupt at all because we're just gonna keep doing this the rest of the day and tomorrow and the next day. Every moment of our lives, as Nisha was sharing last week, we are digging wells of worship every moment of our lives together and on our own. <laughs> so welcome today. I'm Andy, um, one of the voices that gets to lead us uh, today, but we've kind of been leading our own hearts together as one voice. So thank you for being here. Thank you for just choosing a, a moment to gather and not neglecting that. It's good. Um, I'm going to share a couple announcements and then we're going to jump in because we... We don't worry about time, it's okay. <laughs> One of the cool things that we, we know that doesn't always get to happen here in this place is, is a little bit deeper dive into discipleship and teaching. And so we're starting our Living Waters University classes. We haven't done those since before COVID, so everybody can say, yes, we're back to something before COVID. Um, and so those classes are starting this week and Ryan's gonna have a little thing in the lobby where you can check in on what those might be. There's some really good ones. There's, uh, I'll just briefly hit them. There's a guy's class for, called Head to Heart. There's a women's class that's starting out, Awaken Hearts. There's an amazing 
one of the intersection of science and faith, how are they incompatible or are they compatible? And this kind of journey and conversation, my friend Corey over there is teaching, it's gonna be amazing. He's trusted and loved here. And uh, we have, I think, one more. Oh, Kingdom Lifestyle 101. Kind of like, how am I gonna follow Jesus as a disciple, as an apprentice daily? And that's kind of that journey. So sign up for those. You know, they're gonna have a class if it's two people or if it's 20 in each one. So just, you know, feel brave and jump into that. Am I moving too much? Should I move over here? <laughs> I'm driving John crazy. Is this spot better? Yeah, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're gonna, I'm gonna sh just say this now and I'll remind us at the end, but the next Thursday and Sunday in kind of response to our journey of talking about worship, who we are as worshipers, who we are as a community of worship, we're gonna take the kind of our next two public gatherings, our Thursday night, which is abide night, where it's a moment of kind of after you've done all your work for the day, you get to come and you can rest and worship with uh, other believers take a little extended time in his presence. We do that once a month, every Thursday, every Thursday, every four weeks. That makes better sense. Um, and so this one's gonna be really uh, just another jump off point for us to dive deeper in our wells of worship. And on top of that, we're gonna do next Sunday roughly the same way. So instead of our normal community life Sunday where we might be doing something where we're serving out, we're gonna have a special one hour communion family service together. All, there won't be kids stuff out there or over here. Um, we're just gonna take communion together and we're gonna worship. Kind of the simplest set the table together time that you could picture there. You don't have to do anything magical. You can just show up and uh, that, that'll be at 10 o'clock as well. So I'll remind us at the end about those because they kind of tie into what we've been sharing and where we've been together the last few weeks. So anyways, did I get them all? Good. Oh yeah, I'm up here, they're out there. Autumn and Ashley are taking you guys middle schoolers take off. <laughs> so we were just, uh, we, what well, we did like 40 minutes of, of worshiping together, right? That was strange. That was weird. I mean, like, if you're really honest, let's just like break it down a little bit, okay? So some of us sing loud, some of us not at all. Some of us love the words. Some of us were frustrated with the words. Some of us stood, some of us sat. Some of us thought about every syllable we spoke. Come on, anybody's like analyze. Some of us were caught up in the moment. Some of us were working on, should I raise my hand this way or this way? <laughs> not too much giving, not too much receiving. It's like the perfect combination. I want to give, but I don't want to just be selfish. Receive, okay? It's strange, right? Some of us worried our way through the whole morning, thinking about the next steps of a hard circumstance. Some of us were trying to stick our heads in the sand and just sing, hoping that a brief respite from the anxiety would happen. Some of us looked around and observed. Some of us shut our eyes tight, hoping that no one would see the inner turmoil we are feeling. Don't look. Just keep it tight. Some of us carry unforgiveness. Some of us are angry at the person across the room, the stupid circle room you see the people you're upset at. 
They said that stupid thing two years ago. It's real. Some of us feel like we lost the plot. Some of us feel excited because we're on this road less traveled together. Some of us feel like we belonged. And some of us feel like the redheaded stepchild. Redheaded stepchild, yeah. <laughs> and some of us felt our hearts softened. Some of us rested. Some of us felt changed or transformed. Even some of us saw a new picture of hope. What the heck is going on when we're all worshiping together here? Shouldn't there be some great unifying force that we all just can like enter into this robotic formulaic thing where we all just are lifted up to the heavens and isn't that what it's supposed to be? Isn't that what's supposed to church and all this stuff's supposed to be? Right? Wouldn't that be great? I'm <laughs> Ryan's like, no, no. So, and on and on. Like, how could this possibly be the plan for all of us Jesus followers to grow as some sort of unstoppable force of love in the world when it's like from seat to seat, completely different as we're singing these songs in unison together? How are we greater than the sum of our parts? That's what we've heard. How are we more than a collection of just isolated stories? Let's talk about it this morning. That's kind of my thing. It's like, let's just break it up. We read that scripture. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. King James says, you're my peculiar people. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness. It's a mystery. This thing of worshiping together in a gathering like this. And I'm just going to just remind us that this format and this style and how we're sitting in this circle or wherever you're sitting or how you stood or how you sat or how you sing loud or all the various ways that we entered into this worship time together, this is not the only way. Let's just get off our, ourselves a little bit and get off, you know, like, like you could go around this planet and there'd be a million different ways that people are expressing together, not just by themselves, together their hearts to a king. A million different ways. That's one of the things that gets me kind of, oh yeah, reminds me of who I am in the redemption story is that it's happening everywhere. Even though maybe on my social media feed, there's this person that's proven this right and this person's saying this, or even when down the street, this thing's happening. Even when this over here is happening in my family or this is happening in our schools or this is, and we can just wring our hands, ah, and forget about this giant, massive redemption story that's happening all over the planet, even beyond Medford, Oregon. Even beyond, you know, the West Coast of, of the states. Even beyond this wonderful nation that we love. Yes. Out everywhere. So let's just, we'll start. That's our context, all right? We're not, we're not talking about just in this moment. But what's happening as we gather as a people? We had the stories that Nisha was sharing last week about our individual responses, digging those wells daily with Jesus, becoming his friend he wants to speak to us and tell us who he is. As we look at him, we see a reflection of who we are. All these amazing things. Great job, Nisha. That was amazing. She is an intentional woman of God. 
And so we're so glad to have her with us bringing intentionality. Maybe sometimes I might be like, do, 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 let's do the stuff. And she's like, can we just wait for a second? So let, we, we love Nisha for that. And we love, just like we love the body of Christ, right? We can have ears, we can have eyes, we can have feet, we can have all the different limbs. And she's no less a great hand when she's connected to an arm of somebody else, just like you. There's no diminishing just because we're connected. We celebrate each other. So that was a different sermon. I did that one a few weeks ago. So we'll, we'll go back to that. So thank you, Nisha, for sharing that. We honor your voice with us. How this whole thing started for me, though, Nisha shared some of her story. Um, I was 17, and I was kind of an angry, frustrated, impulsive young man. And that really isn't a dig. That's pretty much what every 17-year-old boy is in some form or fashion. Maybe it's an inner anger. Maybe it's an outer anger. Um, if you're a redhead, it might be out, outer focused. And there's still some people that remember watching me play a soccer game when I was 17, screaming obscenities at the referee because something happened on the field. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh, and I felt so much, so much shame for that. But I was a 17-year-old young man. The Lord grabbed my heart at a camp, right? I'm singing with all my friends. That's cool but he met me in an individual way when someone came and prayed with me and called out some identity in me, like stuff that my shame had sort of said, that's not who you are. Anybody got the shame stories that say, that's not who you are? It was telling me who I was, angry young man that can't do anything right, that's never going to amount to anything. So I hear all those words, and, and that one of the words they said is that you're gonna, you're gonna lead and encourage your community, the people around you. You're going to have some boldness. And I felt bold immediately. I'm like, I'm gonna do something. So my friend Pete is, you know, Pete's one of our worship leaders here. I've known him a long time. He was an amazing musician and he left our youth group because he graduated. So we didn't have that amazing guitarist musician with us anymore, but I'd seen what happened when someone got to like play their guitar and all the people rallied around the guitar. And I'm like, I'm gonna get some of that. I want to play guitar and get a bunch of people together and let's all just sing. My problem was I didn't know how to play. <laughs> My mom did, she was a worship leader her, you know, through her adult life, so I'd watched her. She had a guitar, I wish I would've brought it, I have it at my house now. The guitar I learned on is not this one, but it's kind of an old sweet guitar. And it said, mom, teach me some chords. She taught me D-A-G, I think classic. She didn't know the B minor. She's like, no, just skip that one. Just do D-A-G. <laughs> and she had all these sneaky chords. She had these sneaky chords to try to like. So I learned a song called Times of Refreshing. It's such a silly song looking back, but it, it's, it's like all sing song. It goes, you bring times of refreshing. You bring times of refreshing. You bring times of refreshing to my soul, to my soul. Like. <laughs> It's, it's very sing-songy and kind of weird, but that's somehow the one I chose and I, and I learned and I raced through it and I learned one song. And so we were like, hey, let's all get together, all of our friends, and we're all full of boldness and fire. We're like taking 1 Corinthians 14, 26, everyone bring a hymn or a prayer. Anytime you gather, bring a thing, you know, everybody brings something. We were taking that super literal. So it was like, you can't come unless you bring something. It was almost militant. <laughs> And we'd gather, and it was like we're 17, 18-year-old kids, and, and they'd look to me like, get the guitar out. And I'm like, yes, my moment. And I'd play the song, just crank it, you know, like, and we'd all sing it. And then I'd be like, 
all right, and then set my guitar down. <laughs> and then all the amazing, you know, girls in our group that sang in choir, then they would start leading us in actual songs and we would do acapella style for the rest of the time. Eventually I learned two songs, three songs, and that kind of started my story. But we kept gathering that way for a number of years, off and on as we went on our different journeys. And I uh, kind of jumped, jumping ahead, uh, Garris was our pastor at the time and he said, hey, we need to do a Wednesday night gathering. Would you lead? By that time I knew more than two songs and he's, and actually I knew a lot of new songs, so I decided to just lead them all in one service, like 30 songs the first night, no one knows them. It was kind of the opposite of what I started. <laughs> and so I got to be a part of that and keep doing that, you know, and, and then eventually I kind of stepped into this weird thing that you can't explain to anybody anywhere. I'm a worship pastor. That's what I did for like almost 15, 16 years. And you talk to somebody and like, what do you do? I'm a, I always just say pastor. Cause like what, they're what worship. Like if you're not in a context of the peculiar people, what the heck is this worship thing talking about? That really takes it to a whole nother weird spot. Are we like sacrificing things? And honestly, like, well, yeah, we are sacrifice. We're the sacrifice. Okay, I'm out, you know? And that, <laughs> so, I did that for a long time. I let worship, you know, and this was like 52 weeks a year. If there was 54 weeks in the year, I would do it too, you know, and I was doing Wednesday night and um, fortunately Nisha's a lot wiser and she's built up a team of leaders that we can bounce that off each other. I just like, I'm doing it all. I'm gonna sing every single weekend and watch the beautiful gathering. And I fell in love with the gathering of people together. like. It's something I didn't experience when I'm at the football field. No one's painting their face. No one's all on the same team, whatever, cheering the, the Chiefs or the Eagles, whatever we were doing last weekend. No one's like perfectly unified. This wild menagerie of peculiar people. I fell in love with that. Leading, when I was leading with people. So I'm about five years ago, six, seven, maybe, and it's like, COVID kind of ruined everything on timing. Uh, Ryan said, hey, you should take a sabbatical. And I was like, how come? Uh, maybe, you should, <laughs> maybe you should take a breath. Maybe you should breathe a little bit. You know, and I think somewhere along the way, there was a lot, there's some joy that I had lost, some vision I had lost, that kind of love for what was happening in the room. I, I definitely had lost that. Um, so, I did my sabbatical, it was like a three month thing. During that time, Ryan fired me and hired Nisha. Um, it was, it was, <laughs> no, no, huzzah, huzzah. No, no, we, we all had to make choices. No, it was, it was a, that was a joke. Some people thought that happened, that's not what happened, just to clarify. Um, but I came back not because of that. I came back, I remember standing where Jordan was and I'm standing on the outside watching people worship going, what is going on? Like I was literally like, I had done this 52 weeks, you know, out of the year, like I had been in this and I realized I was extremely disconnected, super disillusioned. I'm staring at this going, I don't, what is, what is this? And then I'm asking the Lord, like, I know I had all these like certainties in my heart, like 
right? Like I would sing all the songs. You can't sing the songs and not be certain that when you say we're together and we're loving the Lord that it's not perfectly in line. I have no doubts. I kind of have carved out all the doubts in my faith journey, but not really. I mean, how many people do that? Like we kind of say like, well, if I have faith, then there's probably no doubt. They work together. You can't have one without the other. You can't. And so I had done week after week of working the formulas of what it looks like to come together. And I had missed the true deep heart. And I want to tell you what pulled me out. You want to know what pulled me out? Where I could take another step and another step? I know you want to find out. I'm not going to tell you. I mean, I had so much pride. I had that kind of inner hypocrisy, just like Peter, just like, you know, John, any of the, of the disciples, just like all of us, we're like, everybody else is doing something wrong, but us, no, we don't have that. I had a lot of that going on, but I love to lead worship. And so I was trying to be pure in heart, but it, I needed a, a realignment happening. And what pulled me out was seeing other Jesus followers they weren't tethered to the job requirement of being at church on Sunday mornings, worshiping together. They didn't have to set their clock for 7 a.m. to be here earlier than everybody else. They didn't have any of that. And I knew their stories. I knew the doubts and I knew the worries that they carried. Unlike me, because I was a worship pastor, I didn't have those. <laughs> All right? I knew how little they cared about the sound or the music, honestly. They love it. Everybody relates to music differently. Some of us really relate to it this way and some of us really relate to it this way, but we all relate to it. But I knew some people were just like, I'm here. Even knowing that someone across the room even disagreed with them, I still saw them worshiping. This is what pulled me out. People messy and beautiful, you know, worried, anxiety, all the different parts of our stories still choosing to gather, still choosing not to neglect something. That's what pulled me out, was just being with the people of God. And you think, well, isn't there a formula for that? There wasn't for me. Maybe there is, we'll find it someday. As we choose to gather, we are entering into these practices and these rhythms, these ancient wells that Nish is talking about of communion and adoration. We are image bearers. We're followers of Jesus. And this kind of digging process has been happening for thousands and thousands of years. So this is what I wanna share with you. There's a, we'll have a chance to uh, hopefully worship here at the end and we're gonna have some amazing chances on Thursday night to really focus in and on Sunday morning next week, taking communion together. But I believe that a lot of what we're experiencing here, probably almost all of it, there's obviously history of, a gathered people worshiping in, you know, in the tabernacle, in the Old Testament, you know, the temple. And we have all these shadows of what true worship is. But if you recall, when Jesus showed up, he's talking to the woman at the well. And he says, a time is coming and has come because I'm here that you'll no longer worship on the mountain over here like these people or on the mountain over here like these people or in the temple like these people, but you will be worshiping in spirit and in truth. Like something was getting shifted and he's pointing, he's like, it's happened with me now and it's pointing. His disciples get to start hearing like, what's the spirit and truth thing? What's this thing that's like different from what it was and we're now going forward? 
And for me, maybe there's theology that's deeper on this, but I really see the moment of Pentecost, the gathering time in the upper room as the launch of what we're experiencing here as a people gathered together in worship. Right, it's just, I think Jesus is pointing to it. And there was, if you read the beginning of Acts, they have a gathering and they're like, we're gonna do some business. We're gonna hire, we're gonna get a couple more disciples, right? So the spirit hasn't fallen and we're gonna do a business meeting. Good, okay, that's healthy. They were gathering before they saw, you know, saw Jesus and he showed up and they had all their doubts and they kind of worshiped him in spite of their doubts, but they were gathering, but nothing launched them into the force, expressions of love on the planet until the spirit fell at Pentecost. And I mean, if you've been uh, part of the church, you kind of know what that story, it says, as they gathered one day, that the spirit descended upon them and they were clothed with power as Jesus had promised them. And there was like a joining of in Jesus as one body. And then they received this kind of language thing that was going on and they spread out into the area, out of the upper room or out of the side of the temple, whatever that place they decide where they were at, they spread out and they're singing and speaking the praises of Jesus, of what he's done, who he is <laughs> in all these different languages. Heaven's language, physical language, and people start hearing the cacophony of this praise everywhere. And that's when the, the kind of hypocrite, the betrayal Peter, who was this and said, I love you, Jesus. And I, get away from me. I don't know the man. I'm, I'm gonna follow you. That's when his faith gets ignited and he steps up and he steps out and says, no, this is what was talked about. My spirit poured out on all men, young and old, that he starts preaching this thing that launches the entire church. What we're experiencing today, that was the moment that launched it because the spirit was there with them. There was a presence with them. The few weeks before they had a business meeting, which was really good and important, but the spirit didn't fall then. That didn't launch them out. They got some good structure. What launched them out was the spirit, the presence of God in that place. So I, I just love Peter's boldness. And he's, he's, he's like, oh, we're gonna, this is what we're gonna do. This is Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The one that we crucified, that's really him. He's the one. And so the rest of the Testament, the New Testament is these letters and these stories about a gathered people in these cities, getting encouraged, getting directed, getting invited to worship together no longer on that mountain or the temple, but more like that two or more are unified in heart as an offering, an incense, a sacrifice to this one Jesus. So yes, when we're together, like worship is happening to Jesus. Let's just make sure anything I say is in the context of like, anything we gain is not the point. The point is Jesus is being a sacrifice to Jesus. But on the other side of that, the response that we give, what we receive in that place is what I wanna talk about. Why I believe Paul's trying to say all this stuff. Don't neglect getting together. Don't make a habit of missing out on being with people. All these encouragements, it's because there's little practices and rhythms that 
the Spirit is wanting to input into our life on a weekly, daily, yearly, consistent basis to launch us through out to be those expressions of love in the world, to be the church. So it, there's rhythms and practices. That means like we repeat them. That means like we do it again. That means we get another chance. It's not all in one moment. So like I love a big concert and the worship night, great. That could be a rhythm. But if you only do that once a year, that's not a rhythm. That's just a one time. So let's talk about those, those rhythms of what I, I kind of, kind of a, a little bit. I'm sure there's more than this. It's marked my life since I was 17 for reals. I think one of the first ones that we got to experience some this morning was we practice freedom and joy. Freedom and joy, not based off our circumstances. Now let's, we've, we've been through a lot of talking about grief and our stories and that we're not supposed to just stick our heads in the sand and some sort of house say that, I don't feel anything, I have joy. I don't feel anything, I have freedom. But in worship, through worship, there's a, a story that God wants to unfold in us that's like, I am beyond your circumstances and I will take you through them. In Acts 16, 25, we see Paul and Silas in prison, right? And they're, what, they start singing. Physically circumstanced in prison, they start singing and all the people around them hear it. Two guys, so we got the two or more happening. They're gathered, forced to be gathered in prison. And they're experiencing freedom. They're singing out freedom, their choice, their journey beyond their circumstances. And I think for us experiencing that today is like we're hearing the words of a song that don't line up with the circumstances of my life, but I can look around the room because I've made myself get in the room. We, then I see the stories and I know some of the stories around me and I see and hear the other people stepping past their circumstances and expressing a freedom or joy that I know they shouldn't have. Just like Silas and Paul expressing any kind of joy, any honor or praise in the midst of being locked up, they shouldn't have that. And there's this kind of flipping that happens in the community of believers as we worship. Now you're not sticking your head in the sand. You're just saying, God, I know you're so good that even these circumstances, you will use and walk me through it because you're beyond it. The Holy Spirit uses that testimony of the people around us in a simple prayer, in a simple song sometimes to unlock us, to keep us from compartmentalizing our faith so we can step into some new wide open spaces with him. So we're not just stuck in the little compartment of prison that we kind of formed. Our formulas. I think another practice, we're just gonna keep sliding through these. Uh, this one I, is, is beautiful, a practice of belonging. Man, this is the one, it'll hit me. I know I can easily say, oh, I belong here. I've been doing this for a long time. It's easy for me to say that, Andy, you know, like you've been doing this thing, you feel great. You're just at home here. No, I'm not always, I don't know. I'm just like anybody else. I feel disconnected. I let myself feel disconnected. I'm not sure what this person's thinking. I know too, some of that hurt of not feeling the belonging. But I remember as Jesus laid out the table for his disciples, 
another picture of a gathered story of worship, right? This act of communion, which we're gonna do next week. He laid out a table for them. And at the same place, there was gonna be Judas as a betrayer. Peter's gonna be the hypocrite. Some of the other guys are not gonna be anything at all. They're just gonna leave. You never hear about them. They're just gone, you know? At the same place, all that's happening. He says, you got a place with me. Remember this. Do this in remembrance of me. He says, I've made a table for you. So as we're worshiping together, as we're coming into the place, I believe there's a supernatural belonging that is available to each one of us. And I know that's sometimes hard when you're dealing with loneliness, when you're dealing with, I don't think the same way as everybody else. But remember, we started this with, we don't all think the same thing as anybody else. There's not one person here that's carrying the exact, we're not asking for robots in worship or robots following Jesus. The only thing we're unified in is we're gonna get on the road like following our masters. He's, he's our master, we're his apprentices. We're just gonna follow with him with a bunch of other apprentices. Like that's the only thing that unifies us. And he made a table for us so we can belong. I see that week after week, that pulled me out of my disillusionment. Another one is I, we practice burden bearing and perseverance as we sing these songs, as we worship together. We know there's some scriptures that say like, let's, let's uh, 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 one version of, I, I don't know why I got mess, the message version of this, but it says stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens and complete Christ's law, that's in Galatians 6.2. The, the New Testament's always talking about this idea of uh, submitting one to another, of bearing our burdens. But also in Hebrews, there's this cool place called the Hall of Faith. And it's like a little section, I think it's Hebrews 11, that lays out all the stories of those who have, just like me, felt some of the same things like me, went through some hard things like me, persevered and walked through. There's like this long line. So when we're standing in worship, we're actually standing in a long line of history of Jesus followers, cloud of witnesses, whatever you might wanna call it, that have persevered, that, that have carried each other's burdens along the way. There's like something supernatural, I think, that's unlike anywhere else. I can't stand and be like, I'm, I'm part of what the Boston Red Sox did in 1923 when I'm standing there in 2010 or whatever. You might get a little sense of history, but we're talking about thousands of years. We're talking about the story of every soul on the planet that I get to stand in the long line of people that persevered, went through the same things and persevered. As I'm singing these songs, as you're singing these songs, as we're worshiping together or we're taking communion together or we're at a table at our house, there's three or four of us praying or we're at a park and we decided to hang out, we'll get our guitars out. Whatever that format looks like, we're standing in the story of redemption throughout history. And there's a chance for us, I think, to bear each other's burdens along that way. And that may look like I'm, I'm looking at a friend and he, I know he's carrying it heavy and he's down low. And I know that I've had victory in that place, but I'm not gonna just tell him this is how it works. I'm gonna worship alongside of him. I'm gonna lift up my hands in victory knowing like this is who Jesus is. And I'm gonna prophesy with my words, with my song, 
believing for that burden to be lifted off my brother, my sister. That's why we're in proximity together. I know Zoom and all that stuff and the online stuff is amazing, but there's nothing by being in the room together. Especially when it comes to bearing each other's burdens. This one's pretty powerful. We practice unashamed living. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Shame continually wants to tell me who I am. But in worshiping Jesus together, we're not only declaring the adoration to the one, we're also collectively establishing a beachhead against the enemy, against the forces that want to tell us a false identity. I mean, how many people, I mean, let's be honest, I'm not going to do the Drew thing. Raise your hand. Where's he? Drew's not here. Oh, okay. Drew always teases me. He's like, Andy, you didn't raise your hand. I'm like, I know. I'm doing it on purpose because I don't like that part. But like how many of us, like it's, I mean, I would show up to the, some of these worship times I'm leading and I'd be like, the shame just wants to tell me like, hey, wh what are you? What are you just showing up just to play your guitar and sing these songs again? I saw how like your life was going this week. I saw how messy that was. What are you? That, that little shame voice, doesn't it feel, I mean, you can walk in this room and you feel all these people and you're like, oh, they are doing great. Look <laughs> at them. And we walk through the door and there's this different story that we're hearing. But as we worship and we actually get a picture of the reality is that there's a bunch of unashamed worshipers choosing to not believe shame. That's what unashamed is. I'm choosing to not believe shame. And as I walk towards Jesus with a bunch of other people, kind of we're like, we're not believing the shame. Jesus, we're here, we love you. We're kind of centering and making this established place for us to launch out from, a beachhead in the midst of this enemy territory that wants to tell us all over the planet who we are. That's a good word. Yeah, that's money. I think we get to practice being a voice when we worship together. Not just an echo, which is the quote. In 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Paul's trying to explain to the confused Corinthians just like us that have a lot of things going on and they're pulling a lot of different things into their worship experience and they're a little bit, he's trying to give some order, but he's also trying to tell them what's different than when you're worshiping on your own or when you're worshiping with people which are both important. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is not in the same position know what I'm singing about? Since they do not know what you are saying, you are giving thanks well, but no one is edified around you. I tend to think that this idea of music, melody mixed with prayer, like your words and your melody, there's something uh, powerful connected to that because there's a, a rhythm of declaration that we get to enter into. We get to confess 
Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. We get to confess, oh, we need that clean heart. We, we get to declare something outwardly into the room with people. So there is a point, I believe, that we have to vocalize the truth. We have to declare the, and confess one to another. We have to uh, declare his goodness. We have to put some umph behind it. We become a voice. And where else are you gonna practice that than with a bunch of other people that are practicing the same thing? This scratchy like, I got a voice, I'm gonna say. That's so great. I'd rather be around a bunch of people like that than someone that thinks they got it all along. I can never speak. So let's just remember, that's why we're all leading worship together in this place. It's great to have tools. You're not a tool, Nisha, but tools of worship. <laughs> it's great to have these things, and this is, this is, this is beautiful. But you see where the, we're, the works of people choosing worshiping together kind of gets ignited, and you want a part of that. You see what's happened over, some of you may see in Asbury in the college over back east and just these students are just gathering around and there's kind of an empty stage. There's a few instruments, but it's mostly people choosing worship for themselves. They're declaring something out loud. They're becoming a voice, not just repeating. I love repeating what we do here, but they're pushing beyond that. I'm a voice. I can join my voice. That doesn't mean, you know, I'm copying, but I am a voice. Not just using my voice, but I am a voice. It's a strange thing that happens, I think, when I hear the next person, the person next to me declare a truth in a song out loud. And they might respond with their body. They might be sitting, they might stand up and they put their hands straight up. They're like, and I'm, and I'm like, wait, I want, what, I want what they got. So I'm like, <laughs> or I might sing and join in the song. How, how does that work? It's because Jesus wants us to hunger for him so much that it doesn't matter if we're gonna go through our own thought processes or we're gonna join in with another and partner with them and be like, I'm here with you and I'm gonna go up too. He wants us to cry out and the pathway be made maybe different than our own. Oh, my preference is this, my thing is this. It forces us out of our preferences, community worship together. It forces us out of our compartments but it is strange, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes Jesus wants to speak to us through the person next to us so that we have to put down our own agenda, our perspective in order to receive what he wants to give us. So let's land the plane. When we gather in worship, we're not doing this to receive or manipulate or control what's happening in this room. We want the purity of just simply adoring and responding to the greatness of this Trinity, this triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the whole thing. And through that response, because he made us his image bearers and he knit us together as one in the body of Christ, we get to experience that communal worship that is uniquely different than our individual moments with the creator. He's just that good. He provides all that we need, even when we don't know what we need or from whom. 
community together in worship is the pathway of following Jesus. All over the New Testament, they talk about it, but they just presupposing that you understand you should get together. They don't spend a lot of time in here arguing like, there's one verse and I'm gonna share it that really hits the nail on the head, but the rest of the time they're like, you should be doing this. This is normal. It's not normal looking on the outside in, but it's normal for the apprentices following Jesus along the road. So let's listen to the intensity of the writer of Hebrews as we close in 1019. And if you're the, the kind that needs to focus your heart and close your eyes, you can do that. If you just wanna look around at the people around you as they listen, you can do that too. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and without hesitation. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have that magnificent high priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart. Fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity and we have been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we are clean, unstained and presentable to God inside and out. And this is where it really hits home. So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always gives, always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. It started with the worship story and then moves to the outward expression. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed a habit of doing. It's intense. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we approach the day that is dawning, the day, capital D. This is not the time to pull away and neglect, but that's what shame wants to tell me. But that's what loneliness and isolation want to tell me. That's what pride wants to tell me. My own hypocrisy wants to tell me, it's time to pull away, get away from this. So maybe today he's just inviting you to drop a judgment that you have or a frustration about worshiping together in any context. Maybe it's this context here, maybe it's around a table. Man, I'm working through having just a time worshiping with my small group because I'm like, I've done this so much. I'm like, I gotta get used to what this looks like it's, it's taking me some moments to work through that. Maybe today he wants to show you how you are, and get ready, Nisha, we're gonna come back up. Maybe today he wants to show you how you're connected to the redemption story, this big story with the people around you, with a long line of perseverers. Maybe you need to break a habit of hiding in the back instead of choosing to be a hand or the foot or the ear that you were made to be in the body of Christ. There is a point where we all have to take that step in. 
I don't know I belong until I can, you know, what's that step? I belong. I am part of the body of Christ. And I think the final one that I just wanted to land on, which goes back to 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Anytime you gather, bring something. Anytime you gather, bring something to the table. This is really easy. It's easy for me. It's easy for Ryan. Anybody that's leading, it's easy just to bring the same exact thing that you always bring. This is just what I do. It's easy just to let someone else bring the stuff. But the gathering of his people, whether it's at the table, whether it's in this room, wherever it is, was meant to be a communal bringing of who we are to the moment. So are you bringing that encouragement? Are you bringing a voice? Are you bringing that, that powerful, I'm unashamed of the gospel? What are you bringing to the table as we enter in today, as we do this next week, or if you're hanging out with your community group, or if you got a sweet Bible study, are you waiting for somebody else to lead it and speak it? Are you bringing your testimony? Are you bringing your story? Are you being, just being the one that's really good at going like this? You belong. And you put your arms around people. Is that what you're bringing? Nothing's gonna change out there. Nothing's gonna get adjusted. We're not gonna see the force of who we are meant to be on this planet. Part of redemption's story out there when we're not entering into this worship story together. There might be some solo acts out there, but we are supposed to be a band. Come on. We're gonna take some moments to worship now, remembering Thursday night, we have a chance to do the same thing again. Maybe you're like, I'm gonna just step into that. Next Sunday, we're gonna take communion together just the act of communion together. I don't know many places where it talks about just communion by yourself. In fact, maybe there aren't any. It's good, take communion by yourself, take it with somebody. But I think there's something specific about taking it with people. So come to the table next week. And Nisha's gonna lead us in some moments of worship, simple songs, tools. Stand if you need to stand, sit if you wanna sit. Look around if you wanna look around. I love this room. It forces us to be right in the face of his people across the way. Thank you, Lord. Just respond if you want to stand, if you want to kneel, if you want to raise your hands.